1: Joining me shortly is Chris Peterman. He writes about the 49ers over at the Sacramento Bee. And we have a 49ers Falcons game to talk about. I think a game that before the year, a lot of people circled on the calendar is like, okay, there's an easy late season win. The Falcons aren't going to be very good. And the Niners should be very good. Well, the Falcons are six and seven. They're right there in the thick of the playoff race. So this is an important one in the NFC playoff picture. So we will break that down and then we'll get to pick six and let's have some fun. So I was watching some Falcons video just on Game Pass, clicking around a couple minutes of different Falcons games. My big takeaway is the Falcons are terrible. And the 49ers should win by a lot on Sunday.
3: So you go through <laughs> the numbers. That's what num- I've got for you. <laughs> you. You go through the numbers, and they're not really particularly good at like any one thing, like one thing that stands out. Like if you look at, just all the stats and everything, like they look like they should be sort of a bottom feeder team. And then you look at their record and they're six and seven. And if they beat the 49ers on Sunday, both teams are seven and seven. And somehow the Falcons jump the 49ers in the standings because they would own the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense because the Falcons just don't seem like they're a particularly good team. And then you look at what's happened with them this season They haven't beaten a team over 500. Um, They've beaten the Giants, Jets, Dolphins, Saints, Jaguars, and Panthers. So they somehow are six and seven, um, even though they're 26 in scoring, uh, 28th in opponent scoring, 24th in offense, 25th in defense. It's just a bad team that's somehow been able to rack up wins. So, yeah, I'm with you. Like, the 49ers should definitely win this game. Um, and it should be convincing. Uh, I don't know if I fully trust the 49ers to really take care of business against a team like that. But, I mean, you know, we should probably look at this 49ers team in the context of their 5-2 and two in their last seven games. Mm-hmm. And... As time goes on, particularly like after that Cincinnati game, I think we can we can sort of divorce ourselves from that two and four start at this point because things do feel very different, mm-hmm. right? Like Brandon Ayuk's involved, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing at a higher level. The running game um, is much more of a factor, although you do have Elijah Mitchell's injury situation. Um, that's going to be, a, that that's going to be a, a storyline heading into Sunday. Um, but it's just a very different team over these last seven games than we saw during the first six. So mm-hmm. with that said, I, I completely agree with you in that the 49ers should win handily, but it wouldn't surprise me if like it ended up being close, maybe closer than, you know, what the stats indicate it should be.
1: So the Falcons this year, just to kind of drive your point home because like you said when you watch them there's nothing that jumps out. Like Cordero Patterson jumps out. Cordero Patterson's a really good player. And AJ Terrell, their cornerback is a really good player. But their schedule this year, they get blown out by the Eagles, blown out by the Bucks. <laughs> they beat the Giants by 3, they lose to Washington, they beat the Jets by a touchdown. They beat Miami when Miami was off to their one and six start. They beat Miami by two. They lose to the Panthers. They beat the Saints in the game that Jameis got hurt. They get blown out by the Cowboys, blown out by the Patriots, beat the Jags by seven, lose to Tampa by 13, and then beat the Panthers and PJ Walker and Cam Newton, whatever's happening at quarterback in Carolina. There's been nothing impressive about the Falcons this year. There's not like
3: yeah and calvin ridley is is not playing he's away from the team to deal with mental health issues right and he's is calvin ridley like their
1: best player yeah i would think like kyle pitts is really good like don't give me don't get it twisted kyle pitts is a good player he's a rookie and and Cordo patterson's a good player and I, matt ryan is not his peak self but he's not terrible and grady jarrett their interior defensive lineman who who wrecked shop in 2019 when these two teams played is a, is a good player, but this isn't, this isn't a scenario to me like with, with the, with the Seahawks where the Seahawks weren't playing well, but it's like, man, if Russell Wilson figures it out and there's DK Metcalf and there's Tyler Lockett and you, you, you could, they have, they have the talent was there. They just weren't playing well.
3: Yeah, you could say the same thing with the Vikings too.
1: Uh, Absolutely, that's another great one. Jefferson, Thielen, Cook, right? Yeah. There's nothing. There's no redeeming qualities about this Falcons team. Like there's just kind of this (laughs) rudderless ship. None. (laughs) Zero. Not not in that not in that regard. Not not in a way. I got what you're saying. Not in a way that the Niners could could go in and like in Seattle, they turned the ball over a couple times, but they still moved the football. They still got some stops on defense. Um, I don't I feel like this is a game where they could make a couple mistakes and still come away with a win and if they play mistake free the way they've been playing and they win the turnover battle two to nothing or three to nothing they win by like 30 right. right that's how it should go anyway and it's hard to find that path where it's like now if they turn the ball over four times and they drop a couple passes and you know they get a punt blocked and weird stuff happens. Okay, fine. But in a reasonable kind of outcome, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't put together a way that the Falcons go into Levi Stadium and win. Right. And to that point, with where the 49ers are right now, you, you take this slow start and then you look at what they've done recently And it's like, all right, this is a game they need to go win. And if they, frankly, if they lose to the Falcons and they're still waffling between like, oh, they play well sometimes, but then other times, hey, they're not very good. Like they don't deserve to go to the playoffs. If they're going to be a playoff team and be a playoff team, that's more than like, okay, they get thumped by two touchdowns in the first round. If they're going to be more than that, they have to go win this game by a lot. Yeah. When it convincingly, I, I, I shouldn't say by a lot because that, but they should convincingly control the game from start to finish.
3: Yeah, I I completely agree. Like for the Forty there there's a chance, you know, the Forty Niners, if they finish three and one here, they get to ten wins. Um and this is this is one of those games they have to win, right? Like there's no way they get to ten wins if they lose this game, because after that you have Tennessee on a Thursday on a short week. Um, you have home to Houston, which feels extremely winnable, and then you have the game against the Rams, which you know, the 49ers own the Rams, but the Rams are, might have a lot to play for at that point. Uh, If, you know, coming off their win against Arizona, they might be, they might be in contention to win the NFC West. So that game could mean a lot to them. And then of course, there's just the motivating factor of like trying to beat the 49ers who have owned them. Um, I think they've won five straight, but like, I said this before the Vikings game and it's kind of an ongoing theme now because it's what just sort of the, the numbers dictate and it's not groundbreaking analysis, obviously, but like the Niners are five and zero when they win the turnover battle. Yeah. Right. And the Falcons have turned the ball over in five straight games. Um, they've also gotten turnovers. Gosh, I need to I need to count. It looks like they've gotten turnovers in eight straight games. So like the Niners just need to take care of the ball and they should be good enough to win. And ultimately, aside from that, like we can talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, his last six games, our buddy, Nick Wagner at ESPN did a good write-up on Jimmy Garoppolo this week, just talking about how, how much better he's been recently than, um, than the start of the season when the 49ers open two and four. And it's not surprising that Jimmy Garoppolo's, emergence has coincided with the running game picking up like that three game winning streak they had they were running the ball 40 times a week um Brandon Ayuk has obviously become more part of the fold Mm -hmm. and you have George Kittle playing like one of the best players in the league over the last two weeks right so this Mm -hmm. this is all sort of happening for the 49ers at the right time and I think you have to be really encouraged from that standpoint because you're not in a situation where you're counting on Jimmy Garoppolo to win by himself. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, you have a good running game again, depending on Elijah Mitchell's status. But even still, with Jeff Wilson Jr. and Debo Samuel, you can piece together a good enough running game, probably, even if Mitchell's out on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have George Kittle, who can be your number one pass option, right? And then you have Brandon Ayuk, who can be a really solid secondary pass option. And you still have Debo, who's what fourth in the league in receiving at this point? Still? Uh, Fifth. yeah. He's top ten despite having, what, three catches in the last three games?
1: Yeah. Second in yards per reception.
3: Yeah. So with the way the offense is clicking and just the fact that the Falcons are prone to turning the ball over, if the 49ers can play a disciplined game, not shoot themselves in the foot, hold on to the ball, they should definitely win convincingly.
2: Because, Which they can
3: do. We've seen them do it. Like if you were to go down the list of like blue chip players playing in this game, how far do you go until you get to the first Falcon?
1: Probably four or five deep. Right. Like you're taking. I think George Ki- Kittle, Kyle Nick Pitts Bosa is really Trent Williams. Good. Before you pick a Falcon. And even then in the top 15, it's probably like 12 49ers. Yeah, I would agree. Maybe even thirteen or four like the talent discrepancy is massive. I think the coaching discrepancy is is pretty sizable. Um the Falcons offensive line is abysmal. They have their starting right guard, and <laughs> I swear to god, I do this once a podcast where I go to click the, the um I go to click the the tab I want and close it. They're starting right guard. Uh, Jalen Mayfield has allowed 46 pressures and nine sacks. Is that That's, DJ Jones music I'm hearing? It might be Caleb McGarry. They're starting tackle 26 pressures. Chris, Chris Lindstrom. They're starting left guard, 22 pressures, 20 for their starting center, Matt Hennessy, and Jake Matthews, their best offensive lineman, 17. He's given up three sacks. Yeah. Like their offensive line is, in, is, is really, really bad. and, if it's DJ Jones and Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa, like this is where the pass rush should really, really shine. And what the Falcons offense is, or a large majority of it is, is Matt Ryan not having time and just dumping it off to Cordero Patterson and Patterson going and making a play. Right. And so when you have good linebackers is if, if Aziz Shire is going to play and Fred Warner is going to play, they're the kind of players that, that Jimmy Ward getting down in the box like they limit big plays on little dump offs like that and if they do that I don't know how the Falcons consistently move the ball
3: yeah I agree Mike Davis is our future running back
1: which is not good flaming
3: hot Cheetos Mike Davis if you're unfamiliar 49ers legend Mike Davis. 49ers legend a, a draft pick of Trent Baalke out of South Carolina I want to say he was a fourth or fifth round pick I forget exactly when Um, but Didn't do much with the 49ers. They let him go in free agency. And then he had sort of a career renaissance with Carolina and then got moved to Atlanta. I ended up drafting him in fantasy this year because everybody cares about my fantasy team. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me
1: more. (laughs) There there was there was a lot of like Mike Davis hype. Yeah. Mike Davis is good. Well, he was excellent last year when Christian McCaffrey went down. Right. Right. And so now he's like, oh, featured back in Atlanta. It's like,
3: oh, he's he's been very average. But the Hot Cheetos thing was funny because you know how every training camp you talk to players and every single storyline is like, oh, this guy's in great shape. He's poised for a big year. He's really optimistic. Mm-hmm. Mike Davis was in great shape his last year with the 49ers. I want to say 2016 um, because he quit eating flaming Hot Cheetos. Mm hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> that was that was the, the mike davis i'm in the best shape of my life story in that training camp was no Incredible. more hot cheetos so now he's going to go on a roll it's remarkable so i wonder i wonder if the i mean clearly there there wouldn't be this much pre hype about mike davis going into this year if the hot cheetos had returned and he relapsed um what? but now you know now he's coming back to san francisco and it could be a mike
1: davis revenge game one of, my, one of my favorite things this offseason, speaking of Mike Davis in the running game, was Arthur Smith was the Titans offensive coordinator and did a, a really, really nice job there kind of reviving Ryan Tannehill's career behind Derrick Henry. Just a, a refrigerator on, room, on a Roomba of a running back. And did a really nice job, you know, hand, having them hand the ball to Derrick Henry, which is not a thing that the Titans had done a lot of uh, until Matt LaFleur got there anyway. You know, he kind of took that over and it was a lot of play action. It was an efficient Ryan Tannehill and oh, it's a five Ryan Tannehill goes to Atlanta and it turns out that not having Derrick Henry makes it more difficult to do all the things that he was doing when he had Derrick Henry. Right. And it's not working. <laughs> so, it, Mike Davis, not Derrick Henry, is the moral of this story. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're just. I mean, you said it. There's nothing when you just look at the raw stats. First, the the advanced metrics aren't aren't kind either. So we'll stick to the normal, the the regular stats. They're thirtieth in yards per rush at three point seven. Um, they are twenty eighth in rushing touchdowns with eight. They are 20th in net pass yards per attempt. Uh, Matt Ryan's thrown 14 picks this year. Check that. Matt Ryan has thrown 11 picks this year. Three different quarterbacks for the Falcons have thrown interceptions this year. That's hard wow. to do. It's really, really hard to do. And Matt Ryan has started all 13 games. They're 26th and 4th down conversion rate on defense. They're 30th and 3rd down conversion rate like they. They, they do so many things unwell. They are Chris, might I say. Cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. The 49ers playoff push is on, and you probably want tickets if you're listening to this podcast. Well, hey, don't exhaust yourself going all over the internet, trying to dig through, find the best deals on all these other ticket sites because we have TickPick for you. We got TickPick here for you. And it's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, by the way. And it's the original no-fee ticket site. And it's the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. So what they did and the reason that TickPick is so dope is they've gotten rid of all the like ticket fees and the crazy charges that when you get to check out in your tickets, you think you're buying tickets for X price. And then after all the fees and stuff, you're now at like three times that. It's insane. TickPick got rid of those. So what that allows them to do is guarantee that they have the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So the 49ers have a game coming up against the Falcons. They have two home games left. This Falcons game is enormous. The Falcons right behind them in the playoff standings. The 49ers can effectively eliminate Atlanta from the race with that win. And in that crowded NFC wildcard race, any team that can kind of get knocked out is one step closer to a playoff berth for the 49ers. So it's a huge game. You're going to want to be at Levi stadium and Tick Pick is your go-to to pick up those tickets. Visit TickPick.com slash candlestick today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com slash candlestick. And we will see you at the stadium. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of
4: our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDSE.
3: Um, weren't they last in DVOA for a significant portion of the season?
1: I don't know if they were ever last, but they were definitely way down there. Yeah, And they've, they've been way down there. Um, now, of course, it's an NFL team in any given Sunday and all that jazz. But if the 49ers are going to lose to this team, the, the thing here is a lot would have to go really well.
3: It would be turnovers. It would be turnovers. It would be like a block punt touchdown um it would be some weird stuff like that right and we've mm-hmm. obviously seen how important those types of uh things on the margins can be particularly special teams mm-hmm. um so yeah i i completely agree like it would take it would take a lot of weird stuff to happen for the 49ers to lose this game like the falcons are probably one of the worst teams in the league and i think they're Whatever their record just is not an indication of what type of team they are. No, and the Niners are sort of surging like the Niners are still eighth in DVOA, mm-hmm. like they're a top 10 team, they feel like a playoff team. And if they don't just hurt themselves, they should roll.
1: Atlanta 32 in DVOA th- overall, 29th in offensive DVOA, 30th in defensive DVOA, 30th in special teams DVOA. And they're six and seven.
3: Like, and they, I I think if, I mean, if they beat the Niners, they've jumped the Niners in the standings. So like you are what your
1: record says you
3: are, except in this instance. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just, I mean, you beat bad teams. It's the, the Falcons might be the best example of just the overall mediocrity in the entire league this year. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, You can look at the numbers and be like, oh, the Falcons are a three or four win team. Then you're Mm -hmm. like, wait, there's so many other teams that are also bad that like they actually have won some of these games and they have a respectable record near 500. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like there just aren't really that many good teams. I mean, it's it's weird because so many like the NFL middle class is all bunched up in the middle and there are like a few just terrible teams but a lot of like very mediocre teams and and everybody's beatable. Mm-hmm. It feels like, right? Like the Cardinals are obviously beatable and they've been the best team in the NFC right. throughout most of the season, right? Like the Patriots right. are the best team in the AFC and they have a rookie quarterback. Mhm. Right? Like it just it's and that's that's the thing that's going to make the playoffs so interesting and why the 49ers could potentially be dangerous because even though they start in two and four, they might not be significantly worse than anybody they play. Right. So even as a wild card team, even if they're the six or seven seed, you know, so we'll, we'll obviously have time to talk about that if, and when they make the playoffs, but the other thing that's worth pointing out here too. And I think we've mentioned this before, but like the playoff probability thing, right? Like the 49ers mm-hmm. would have like an 88% chance of making the playoffs. And if they win, And they beat Atlanta on Sunday and then like a 33% chance or whatever it is if they lose. So that's part of it, right? Like that's a, that's a big part of, of Sunday in that, like, it's a big game from that standpoint, because if you lose a game, you get jumped by the Falcons. There are going to be some other teams in around the 500 mark in that big clump of teams, in the nfc playoff race that could win some games and could potentially jump the 49ers and then the 49ers have to go to tennessee on a short week and and win that game like it would just be a really tough spot so winning this game is massive for the 49ers right
1: yeah and not to mention if you lose this game you you don't feel good about any of the rest of their three games and you don't feel good about them even even if they go into Tennessee and win and then come home and they beat the Texans and then lose to the Rams and they go nine and eight. You don't feel good about them going into the playoffs because it's like, man, they're really capable of just having a dud where they lose to the Falcons. But if they handle business and, and like I said, control the game and, and beat the Falcons handily, and then maybe they go on a short week to Tennessee and win and then come home and knock off the Texans. Now you feel great about the spot they're in. Going into a postseason that, like you said, we'll 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 likely talk about is is there kind of for the taking. So not only in the standings, but just from a standpoint of how you feel about this team. Because if they're losing this game, it means they're doing something wrong. They've been doing kind of all year. If they can go in, they can play a clean game where they're not committing bad penalties and they're not turning the ball over they they should win and and it's on to it's on to tennessee
3: right right and and this is another one too where you win this game you get another key tiebreaker
1: yeah right you effectively eliminate the falcons
3: yeah essentially Right, like the Niners are seven and six, Washington six and seven, Minnesota's set six and seven. Niners own the tiebreaker there. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia's six and seven. Niners own the tiebreaker there. Atlanta is six and seven. If they beat them, they would obviously own the tiebreaker there. So then, right. like, you know, they they would have the tiebreaker on three teams
1: that are right in that mix there. And if they so, yeah, beat a and if, they, game. if they beat Atlanta, they still have Houston on the schedule at home. That's another game that that is abundantly winnable. That gets them to nine wins. And that doesn't even count that Tennessee is a winnable game despite a short week on the road. And and they've beaten the Rams five times in a row. So. Yeah, I think and, nine
3: wins is going to be good enough to get the nine seed. I think 10 wins. You have to get seed. to 10 wins to, to get the six seed. And man, if you can get to 11, like if you just run the table. Mm-hmm. You might be able to sneak into that five seed.
1: Yeah. Depending on what happens with the Rams, for sure.
3: And then that means like going to Dallas. Yeah, I mean, who knows? The top four seems pretty,
1: yeah, pretty fungible right now. You have
3: Green Bay, Tampa, Arizona, all at ten and three, and then Dallas at nine and
1: four, and the Rams at nine and four. So, just got to keep stacking good weeks. Stacking we can days. talk about the playoffs, especially at the rate that COVID nineteen is spreading through the NFL right now. That's another thing. Yeah. I mean, if you go into the playoffs and you're playing a team that has an outbreak and they're starting Nick Mullins at quarterback, shout out to the Browns. Um, I mean, you just, you never know.
3: Is he starting? Is Nick Mullins going to start? It sure talking?
1: looks like it. He's their practice squad QB and Baker Mayfield's already out and, or he's, he's in protocol and Case Keenum just went in protocol today. Oh boy. Yeah. So Nick Mullins against. The Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders.
3: Do you think the Browns looked at that game in 2018? No, and we're like, we need
1: that guy because of what he did in that Thursday night game in 2018. No, I think Kevin Stefanski probably went, Hey, that guy threw a shit through for a shitload of yards with Kyle Shanahan. And I run kind of the same system. So he's yeah. a good practice squad quarterback. Yeah. I mean, which is what he is. Nick Mullen's a great practice squad quarterback.
3: Yeah, Nick Mullins is...
1: If he's your backup quarterback, you're not like... This is the last Nick Mullins take we'll ever have on this pod. Keep going.
3: Well, until Nick Mullins plays the Niners in the Super Bowl. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I mean, if Nick Mullins is your second or third string quarterback, you're fine. It's not... Third string. You're fine. (laughs) There's no... There's no, like, unless you... Let me say... Unless you trade... Unless you invest three first-round picks in a backup quarterback you're not
1: nobody's feeling great about their backup guy he was he was the number two quarterback for the 49ers for a few years and they were not fun <laughs> yeah but no that, that that's why i point, know
3: though. i know what you're getting at. no team loses their starting quarterback unless they invested Ooh, three Eagles. Their best.
1: the one the one example
3: the outlier of all outliers
1: when jeff hotless stetler jeff like what Giants. jeff hosteller hosteller yeah yeah, He's he struggled through that. Game. <laughs> I've been dude, my brain is operating at 30% speed this week. You want to do pick six? Yeah, let's do it. Tyler, the thing with the Tyler, do it. Intercepted,
3: and this is gonna be a pick six Off to the races. and it's a
1: pick six. And that's a pick six for the 49ers. All right, it's pick six. I do this every week. Chris, you picked three players. I picked three players. All six players are the ones that we think will have an impact in Sunday's game, or we'll need to have a big game to ensure a 49ers win. And we've been going back and forth on this being a kind of hipster thing, or if we want to do the 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 chalk, want to go chalk with it. I'm going to go chalk on this first one, and I'm going to take George Kittle because it's my pick, and I want to pick George Kittle. Because
2: yeah, George- that's fair.
1: George Kittle the last two weeks, you know, the numbers are the numbers are out there. It's 20332 yards and three touchdowns and 22 catches and it's insane. But somewhat notable, the last time these two teams played in 2019, George Kittle 17 targets, 13 catches, 134 yards. So, this Falcons defense has certainly not improved since then, and if anything, I think it might have gotten worse. And there's just there aren't a lot of teams with the horses to stop George Kittle and, and the Falcons don't have them. And the 49ers offense is at it's best when they're feeding him. So if they're going to make a run that, you know, we kind of talk about where they go pull an upset in the first round and it's going to have to involve George Kittle, not just as a run blocker, but as a receiver, um, the, the, their offensive ceiling involves him getting a lot of targets. So yeah. I'm taking George Kittle.
3: Yeah, the the games where he gets one target just can't happen anymore. Nope, he's one of the best players in the league. Get him the ball. Give George Kittle the rock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that that's it. Like that's that. It. That's that's that is what that is. All there is to it.
3: I want I, like we've mentioned it. I, I want to see Kyle Shanahan have games where he can get like multiple guys going in the passing game. Sure. Like, like get a big game from George Kittle and a big game from Debo Samuel.
1: Well, I just had 11 targets last week.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you did. But I mean, like, it just feels like the way Kyle Shanahan game plans is like, all right, this is going to be a big George Kittle game. We really like the matchups here. Kittle's going to get a ton of targets or Debo Samuel is going to have a big game because we like the matchups here. So Debo Samuel gets a ton of targets. It just feels like a lot of his game plans are very player specific, which isn't necessarily a problem, but it's just like, all right, you have all these players and it could be anybody in any given week, but like maybe make it so multiple guys are featured. Sure. Right. Like even the the game that stands out to me in that thought is like the Richie James game against the Packers during the pandemic mm-hmm. that Thursday night when they lost all their players to COVID and it was like, all right, we got to feature Richie James. And then Richie James has 180 yards or whatever. Right. Um. So anyway, that's, uh, I just, I like, I like your George Kittle pick.
1: I think the philosophy is like, Hey, there's this mismatch and we're going to hammer it until they stop it. Right. And but it's you, really hard to stop George Kittle. It turns out.
3: Sure. But, and if, I just feel like that can be a little bit limiting.
1: Can I, without opening Pandora's box, can I give you my quick take on that? Sure. Because I I get what you're saying, but I think that the reason it's so often George Kittle or Debo Samuel or whatever is because the quarterback is really good throwing to like one spot on the field. And so they want to make sure there's only one player in that spot on the field. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. Um, who's your first pick number two overall
3: so i am going i'm not going to go hipster this at least for this pick uh i'm going to take nick bosa smart he's lining up all over the place now um which seems to be the antidote to what was happening earlier in the season when he was like getting chipped and double teamed often like when it's unclear where exactly he's lining up because he can line up in multiple places, it's hard for the offense to compensate for that and fully design blocking schemes um, to slow down Nick Bosa. And so if there's an element of surprise just in terms of where he's aligned, then that really favors the 49ers. And obviously Mm -hmm. the numbers reflect that. Um, And so Nick Bosa, I know a, a bunch of his sacks have come in the fourth quarter of games, which is... I mean, it It just speaks to how maniacal he is when it comes to, like, his physical conditioning mm-hmm. and the fact that he's doing this, like, getting better as games go on a year after tearing his ACL is nuts. And it's particularly nuts given how many issues the 49ers have had getting guys to recover from inju- injuries properly. And it's not surprising that Nick Bosa is in this type of physical shape while he's done all of his rehab away from the 49ers facility, frankly, and done it on his own. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I'm taking Nick Bosa. I, I think, I mean, if he finishes the season, like I think he might, he's going to be a candidate for defensive player of the year. Yep. And um, he's got a really good shot at breaking Alden Smith's sack record of 19 and a half. I know he mentioned that today. Um, and so he's... And he should... I mean, I haven't canvassed the league and looked at candidates for, like, comeback player of the year, but he should definitely be in that mix also, obviously. Um, I, I'm think his, I think has his... Because he could have, issue like with,
1: four sacks on Sunday. I think his issue with comeback player of the year is there's two quarterbacks on the docket. Like Dak, Dak and Joe and Burrow. Burrow.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: but yeah anyways he is definitely a candidate because he's been really good and it feels like to your point and i said this last week and frankly i'm going to keep saying it until it happens it feels like there's a monster like three three and a half four sack week coming right because he has like that panthers games game with- in 2019 yeah, yeah, right. I think he had three and an interception in that game. Like just one of those like, holy shit type of games where it shows up on the box score. Cause it shows up on the field. Like just watch number 97 on every play and he's doing something impactful, but it feels like there's, like I said, that three, three and a half, four sack game where he just Forces opens up, fumble, the, like opens up the DPOY conversation. Six. Right.
3: Exactly.
1: So I, I, and, this is a bad offensive line. I can certainly see it coming this week. Yeah. I'm going to stick on the defensive line and I'm going to go with Eric Armstead. I talked about how bad the guard play is for the Falcons. The Niners are making sure that Armstead is staying inside where he's at his best. Armstead says he thinks he can dominate anywhere. He's very clearly a better pass rusher on the inside. And the Falcons guards sink. That they're, they're just, they're, they're abysmal. So I think Eric Armstead could have a big day.
3: I think Armstead needs a big finish to the season because I really think the 49ers need to look at the future and just decide like, Hey, Eric Armstead is a really good player and we like his versatility and we like who he is away from the field. Uh, Walter Payton man of the year candidate and all that. but Like, do we want to pay Eric Armstead $20 million? Yeah. Right. And we Mm -hmm. talked about that. What, what the financial ramifications could be if the 49ers move on from from their key guys in the last episode right but if armstead has like three sacks in these last four games you feel a lot better like okay we saw what he could do on the inside after switching from and um and you know we, we feel better about paying him 20 million dollars after the way he finished the season and what type of what type of impact he had right um so yeah i i like that pick particularly against this falcons offensive line like you said Um, I'm going to go to a group chat favorite of ours. Uh, No, you're not. Robbie Gold. Wow. Okay. Don't miss any more kicks, Robbie.
1: Okay, Urban.
3: (laughs) I'm not not kicking him. But just like verbally, you know, we, we talk about the 49ers not killing themselves like with mistakes and turnovers and like make field goals and extra points like if you have a long drive capitalize just come away with points don't 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 miss a kick in the fourth quarter don't miss a potential game winning kick like you did in Cincinnati like he had the you know, I, he missed a extra point in Seattle like just play a clean game don't miss any more kicks build your confidence up because the 49ers might have to go to green bay and that game could be decided by a few goal. and you need mm-hmm. Robbie Gold feeling confident that like all right going to make this right Mm -hmm. so this is this is about Robbie Gold bouncing back playing a clean game and giving the 49ers confidence and confidence in himself that like all right, if there's if the season's on the line and it depends on Robbie Gold's right foot like he's going to make it so stop missing kicks Robbie
1: and he knows that no need to kick him I'm not I'm not kicking or call him a DS. All right. Fifth pick, my final pick. I'm going to stay chalk, but this is a player who hasn't quite shined. I think the way we thought he might this year. And that's Fred Warner. You know, he's still a good player, but not, not the like game in game out impact player that we saw a year ago. And I mentioned it earlier. A lot of this Falcons offense is quick throws to Cordero Patterson um, it's throws to Kyle Pitts and Fred Warner is one of the players in the league with the size and athleticism, size and athleticism to kind of hang with a guy like Pitts and to be able to cover and tackle Cordero Patterson on a short throw. So the Niners need, especially if Aziz Shire doesn't play, he hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday this week. The Niners need a big, big game from Fred Warner, not only in coverage but a sure tackling game. Um, maybe get a sack. He had a he had a really nice blitz last week to to help force an incompletion, but just kind of a stuffing the stat sheet, um, coming up with a couple third down stops. I I, I just if if number fifty four is all over the field on Sunday, uh, it's it's good news for the Niners. Agree. Um, he's Thanks. A little
3: bit banged up now.
1: Nice. Uh he
3: missed time with a hamstring injury obviously he missed the first game of his career a couple weeks ago and he is dealing with an ankle issue this week right so it's notable cuz Fred Warner I mean I don't even know if he ever missed practice before this year yeah and if he did he might have just been given like a a routine maintenance day on Wednesday or whatever but um right yeah like the pick for sure um I have so many options here With this last pick to round us out, I guess I got to go with Debo Samuel. Right, I mean, he's still what five touch five rushing touchdowns in the last four games. Yeah, six. Is that good for a receiver?
1: It's literally the most ever by a receiver. (laughs) Yeah, he's
3: having a historic season. I think he's he should be an All Pro.
1: Over um, under 14 and a half total touchdowns for Debo by the end of the year. What's he at now? 11, 11 with four, four games, games left.
3: left. Uh, so we need four to hit the over
1: mm-hmm. in four games.
3: Yeah. Because he could have, he could have two in any of these games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'll take the over. Um, he should be an all pro. I think he's the team's MVP this season and he just does a lot. And now that you have George Kittle in- incorporate in the passing game, you don't necessarily have to lean on Debo to take 40% of your targets like you did early in the season. Right? So, um, you can utilize him in the running game, screen game, anything really. I, I think
1: know. more than one target.
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. He should definitely get more than one target. Um, but yeah, I'm taking Debo. I feel I feel good about my squad this week.
1: Yeah, you have so so I went first. My team is George Kittle, Eric Armstead, and Fred Warner. Yours is Nick Bosa, Robbie Gold, and Debo. Yeah. I like that squad for you. I love this for your journey. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, that's I also cool. think so so good news for the Niners, and I think just for their offense. Is the fact that when I look down at this, it's like, man, I should have taken Brandon Ayuk because Ayuk seems to be kind of fully back, where the Niners are just getting him the ball, and he had 11 targets last week in a game where George Kittle had 15 or whatever it was. True. So, I think that, especially with Samuel a little banged up coming off that that groin injury, we saw him used almost primarily as a runner, where most of his Target uh, touches were there he had one target in the passing game, and then it was it was all iuk and and Kittle so um, if Debo is going to continue to kind of become more of a running back than a receiver, that means more work for for Brandon Ayuk, and he's he's turning that work into productivity so honorable Ayuk's, mention to Brandon Ayuk.
3: Ike is catching sixty four percent of his targets this year, which is actually up from last year mm-hmm And he's averaging 8.6 yards per target after averaging 7.8 last year. So Mm -hmm. his volume numbers were up more were up last year because he was Dimo Samuel was hurt. George Kittle was hurt. So he sort of had to be the team's top pass catcher. But he's been more efficient, which is kind of surprising given how good he looked last year. But it's understandable now given the supporting cast is better. So yeah, and Kyle Shanahan said it. He's like Debo, or he's Brandon Ayuk is way better this year than he was last year even despite that slow start yeah um yeah um I'm, I'm with you on that i well we're to the point now and and I mentioned it earlier but like the 49ers have enough weapons on offense where you're like okay it could be any of these guys yeah which is if they- which is a much better place to be than they were in like 2017 through 2018 even like mm-hmm. it it took them getting emmanuel Sanders for you to be like, all right, the Niners have multiple offensive weapons that you really feel good about.
1: Right. And And that's where where if they're healthy going into the playoffs, where they have that trio of pass catchers with Elijah Mitchell healthy. Mm -hmm. Elijah Mitchell's still in concussion protocol. He's not practicing. But if he's healthy by the wild card round and they have Kittle and and Samuel and Ayuk that's a that's an offense that becomes very, very difficult to to stop in the game plan for.
3: Yeah. And they're versatile, right? Yeah, they're extremely versatile. So, yeah, yeah Niners are in a good spot. They're uh, they're cooking with gas here at the right time of the season. And if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't turn the ball over, they're really tough to beat. Yep. Yeah.
1: So There's... Niners should
3: win, right? Is that your prediction? Or do you yeah. think the Niners cover the what is
1: it? Nine points? Yeah, eight, eight, eight and a half or nine, I think, depending on the book. I think this should this should and could be one of those like 31-13 type of games. Yeah. Where they get out ahead early and just kind of roll.
3: It would do just a lot for the way you feel about the team. If they just took care of business at home. Cause they really haven't had I mean, they had the Vikings game, but even that was a little bit closer than it probably should have been. The Rams game was obviously a blowout, but it felt like there was just so much emotion because they were three and five and coming off that miserable Arizona game. It was like, all right, that we're going into a buzzsaw. Why, yeah. It was kind of a buzzsaw game for sure. Like this one just feels like one where you say, all right, we're a playoff team. We're much better. We're on our home field. We're much better than our opponent. Like, it's time to like win by two or three touchdowns. Yeah. That's
1: what it should be. Um, That's what they did. That's what they did against the Jags. And I honestly like that's, that to me is the tier of team that the Falcons are in. Okay. Maybe not the Jags, but (laughs) (laughs) the Jags are at the bottom of that, but the Falcons are to like, to me, like I said, when you watch them, they're like a bottom tier team. There's nothing that that, like jumps off the screen is like, wow, look at that. You no, know, Cordero Patterson's an impressive what he's done is impressive but I mean if the Niners won this game 31 to 10 it'd be like yeah that's about how it should go it wouldn't be like oh exactly. man they dominated the Falcons right but yeah they beat a bad team right and
3: if it's like really close at the end and they have to pull it out it's kind of like all right well it's good that you won but like why was it so close because right a- exactly a- anyway yep.
1: I think that wraps it uh yep I have nothing else to say about this game. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday after the game. Or Monday when you listen to it. Or Monday. Yeah, Monday. We will talk on Sunday, but you'll hear it Monday. And then I guess we'll just do another Tuesday pod as the preview because we have a Thursday night game to deal with.
3: Yeah, that would make the most sense, right? We, could... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if the listeners really
1: enjoy our... our just on un- un- on pod producing well i'm trying to <laughs> like get the schedule laid out we should do this beforehand but yeah so uh we'll we'll have a post game pod and then we'll have another quick turnaround into the preview pod for the me third- percent- in. so subscribe rate and review if you have not done that yet and we will talk to you guys next time